Hey, what's up everybody? This is just a short podcast. Um, just talking about things that I wish I'd have known at the beginning of my career that I know now. And it's kind of stemmed from a thing that I did with um, Yorkshire Dance and their Accelerate program. Part of the question was, one, what inspires my work or why I make my work? But for me, more interestingly was, what do you wish you knew then that you know now? And, and that kind of got me thinking, yes, one about, is about knowledge, but it's also about resources. What do I wish I have access to now that I could have had access to then? And so there's some of the things that I'm just going to talk about through this um, little podcast. I'll split it up into sections so you can click on it, click off it when you get bored, when you get inspired. But most of all, just you know, leave some comments. But also, if you're all... If you've you you're, you've got a career, you're in the middle of a career, or you're at the end of a career, also add some things, some nuggets of information that you have found that are invaluable. It can be something that I've not said, and you could bounce off some of the things I've said. Um, so yeah, it's it's just really a bit of fun. I want to help out. Want to want to hand back. Want to give people some insights into what you know, what, what went on. I mean, the first thing, number one, I'd say, just wake up with gratitude every day, knowing that you're doing something amazing, knowing that you're being creative and you're being in the space of being, doing what you, doing what you've always wanted to do. I mean, not always wanted to do, because you might not have always wanted to perform or dance or work in you know the creative arts but just be amazed the fact that you are a you create the future that's kind of what I want to say is because you because we we have this humans have this amazing gift of we think it we solve the problem we make it and then it manifests some people just do that for other people so if somebody has you know I don't know a clothing factory they have this idea of making lots of clothes and lots of money, but somebody else turns up to realize their dream, but you're realizing your own dreams. And it's such an amazing thing to be able to live life as a creative. So sometimes, yeah, it's crap. You you know, you've got no money or you're doing this or you've not got any of the work coming in, but I'll go on to those later. But really just appreciate it and have gratitude that every day you get up, you're doing something that you love, something that you want to do. And all those bad times, just think about, that thing of, I'm, you know, this is what I'm, this is my purpose. If it's not your purpose, do something else. That's probably one of my, I suppose, bigger tips in the sense of, it's a bigger story than just about dance. Number two, I say be hungry. Be really, really hungry. Try everything, do everything. Have a focus. So you know that you're going one direction, but actually you might not go there. You'll weave your way around to get there. Enjoy it. Enjoy the process it, because it's so much easier to pivot when you're an earlier part of your career than when you're at a later stage of your career. You might have a company. You've got people's livelihoods. You've got critics. You've got funding. You've got this. You've got that. Pivot and try stuff in your early career. It's almost like you have the focus of a like a, a dog, and then there's the focus of a lion. Now, what I mean by that is if you've got a bone, like a set of, like a bone with, you know, meat on it, 
you know the fact that if you're throwing the bone up like this and you're in front of a dog, the dog is going to be watching that bone, watching that bone, watching that bone. You're throwing it up, boom, and you throw it. It goes and runs after the bone. It will go and run after the bone. However, if you're standing in front of a lion and you've got the same bone, boom, the lion's going to be completely aware of this bone, completely aware of what you're doing. Boom, you throw it. You think it's going to go and chase it. It knows what you've done, but its eyes are on a bigger prize. That's you. So know where your destination is. Be aware of all the distractions, but don't necessarily go after them all. Be focused on what you want to do. And I suppose number three is have lots of tentacles. Try lots of things. Try and stick to lots of different things. Some of them will stick, some of them will come undone. So that's a very short one, number three. Tentacles. Be inquisitive. Try and find your focus, try and find your path just through being inquisitive. Number five, four. We're on. Yeah, number four. Create digital products. And a lot, I know a lot of you are thinking, a product? I'm an artist. I don't create products. Well, you do think about the word production. It has product in it. So you are always making something, you're creating something, but it's about how you exchange money for that product. For example, if you're doing a performance or teaching a workshop, you have to turn up. It's always exchanging for your time. So what I mean about digital, digital products is like a t-shirt, t-shirts with logos, t-shirts with things that you like. And maybe some of you are thinking, oh, that means I've got to buy all that stock of t-shirts. They're going to be sitting in my, in my garage or my spare room, just gathering dust. No, 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 no. So there's such um, websites like T-Mill, where you basically have designs, logos, slogans, whatever you want. You upload them. And then if somebody comes along and sees one of your designs or you market it, it can be part of your website. You can put it out on Instagram, wherever. Come part of your website and they order it directly through T-Mill. T-Mill -Mil, do print to order. So they'll print it and they'll send it to the customer. So you don't have to have exchange any of your time for that transaction. Also, things like lesson plans or helping teachers with you know, creating lesson plans or creating a lesson that's online that people um, buy, that people contribute to, creating a, a group of people that are, you know, that you create webinars for that are either less experienced than you, or it's basically a group of people that exchange ideas with you. So when I say digital products, it's about creating something that you can sell. Sometimes it seems a bit of a dirty word where it's like, I'm not selling anything, but yes, we're always trying to sell our art. So something that you can exchange for money where you don't have to turn up. Because what that's going to allow you to do, that's going to allow you to do some of those jobs that are maybe not as well paid as others, or actually sometimes, oh, can you do this for free? The exposure will do you good. <laughs> I kind of say, don't ever work for free. But the caveat in that is, you might wanna help out a friend, you might wanna help out somebody that actually, where the work, you love what the work is. And they might not be able to afford to pay you, but if you've got an organization you know has got money, do not 
sell yourself in the sense that you're selling yourself for nothing or at least have some sort of quid pro quo thing where you can get something in return rather than it's just about the exposure yes they might give you space but don't do it for absolutely freeness absolute nothing um, build your audience independently of any artistic director of a venue of somebody else's say so now what I mean by this, and this goes into a little bit of what I wish I'd have access to back then. So when I started making work, there was no such thing as the internet. <laughs> Can you believe that? So what I mean is we relied a lot on people liking our work or people liking us, um, people liking what we were doing. And those decision makers, traditionally, you know, they'd go around the country, they'd go around the world shopping for culture. Then they'd come back and say, this, this, this. Oh, and you're part of that club. And we were completely reliant. Yes, we had to make good work or we were making good work, but it's on other people's or I suppose gatekeepers' opinions. Um, and now that's completely different because anybody can go onto the internet. They can search for culture, engage in whatever they like. So people are a lot more aware of what is out there and what you can do. Um, but why, what I say is about building your own audience is... It's great to be venue based and think, OK, I need to impress this artistic director to have my work there. But actually, you should really be building your audience independently and not relying on a venue to do the marketing to their existing list, because that might not be your um, that they might not be your, your audience. And the fact is, when that's when you have that situation, you then become a risk. Um, we're not going to program you because you're a risk. And uh, there's so many times that I've heard that it's risky, especially when you're starting something new or creating something new, like we were creating hip hop theater and working in that genre of black dance and people thinking, oh, that's risky. But now if now I'm kind of using the internet and using the web and using that to build my audience, because even though I'm not necessarily touring theaters, because it's a bit of a backward economy anyway, always has been, it's, it's kind of flawed. I'm trying, I'm putting my work out there in different ways and connecting in different ways. So really think about building your audience independently and that's on your socials. That's putting work out there. It's not just a documentation of your work, of your stage presence, of your stage performance. Make something for consumption on a phone. Make something for consumption on on youtube so it's not just a documentation it's a it's a film or a video or something that you can make it's like you can be international with in five minutes of having an idea you have an idea you get a phone out you film it send you can be international that quickly so really think about building that audience so you can go to that audience and you can speak to that audience because when you once you start to create that direct relationship with your audience it's magic it's amazing you don't have to be at the beck and call of a venue manager because they've got lots of other considerations they've got other things to be thinking about of how they can keep their venue alive these days that's so much harder because funding is 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 is, is less there's less opportunity for them to break out of their i suppose bums on seats companies because they know this is going to work they've got to make the books balance so if you're a risk then you're less likely to get the gig at their theater unless you've got you know 
20,000, 30,000, 40,000 people in your list of followers that you can actually just say, excuse me, can we have the venue because we've sold all of our tickets, we've sold 5,000 tickets, we've got a run of five days, can we have the venue? Some will still say no because they don't like their nose being put out of joint because they've spent their career on being an authoritarian about culture where now we all have access to culture all over the world. It's not so important that they are the authoritarians. Yes, they're going to have taste and they've got, they're running their venue, but it's more about you saying, well, actually, that's the space that I'd like to use. Can I bring my audience? And actually, if they say no, find another interesting space, find a, a car park, find a, a town hall, find something that's maybe a little bit more interesting than having people pile in the theatre and your work online really think about how you're not necessarily necessarily judging the success of a project by how many people buy a ticket and walk through the door it's really about how many people you're engaging with okay um that was a long one number seven i'd say outsource outsource as much as you can. So this is one of the other things that I wish I'd have had access to. So there's um, sites like Fiverr or Five Squid or People Per Hour. So there's all these Fiverr, I'll give you, I'll put the links in the bottom. So basically you can go onto these websites, you can work with people in all over the world. For example, if I need a flyer design or a website design, I can go onto, onto Fiverr and say, this is the budget I've got. This is what I want to achieve. Who's going to bid for the work? So people bid for the work. Well, not bid and say, I'll do it for this much, but they say, oh, I can do that. Here's them, here's, and then you say, this is my budget. Can you do that? You check out their profile, you check out their reviews, check out the work that they've done before, and you decide who you're going to work with. And sometimes you'll be working with people in other, you know, on the other side of the world where they're charging you a 10, 10, 10 pound to design a flyer or to do a creative, or to do your branding. But rather than thinking, oh, I'm only paying them 10 pounds, actually, they're not just doing it for you, they're doing it for 50 other people. So, you know, they might be earning like 500 quid a day. And if they're based in the Philippines or, in, or India, they're living like kings. So it's about seeing what else you can do with your time once you alleviate yourself. You can even get them to do data entry stuff, Excel spreadsheets. You can even get them to, to research, like if you want to research what, universities offer dance courses and you want to go and teach or which schools offered offer dance for example so you can get all these non-essential things that take up your time that could quite easily take up your time you can farm them out um crazy things you know i i recently did this thing where we're doing an augmented reality arts and performance trail and i needed an arabic sounding voiceover um i went on fiverr found this guy that does voiceovers, he's an actor, boom, 12 pounds for me to do it. And I worked with him, I said, oh, can you do this, this passage a little bit more? And sometimes, you know, you can do a Zoom or a Skype call and say, this is how you want to do it. You can direct them. So that's another resource I wish I'd have had or actually known about, like outsource everything that can be done by somebody else. Obviously your creative process about creating the, the work is you, but Anything else, if you don't have a team, if you don't have a, you know, you've not, you've not become an MPO, you've not got an office, you've not got this, but actually you can be 
a media company just by that, just by your phone. Because if you've got access to the internet, you've got access to people, you've got access to millions of people. And all you need to do is just enhancing your creativity and direct it. So people, you work with people that are interested in the work that you do. Okay, I hope you're getting some value out of this because I'm going on a little bit longer than I thought I would, but I love it. This is, you know, these things are out there for you to learn and for you to take up. But one of the main things that you do, probably, you know, 98% of you are not going to do anything about it. You'll just go back to like, where's my next funding application? Where's my next gig? And Bob, you know, poor me, poor me. You don't have to. There's this great quote by um, this marketer, Zeth Godin, and he talks about, don't wait to be picked, pick yourself. Don't wait for somebody else to approach you, just always be out there doing stuff. And if you don't know how to do it, find somebody else that does. Don't read reviews. If you're a dancer, if you're a creative practitioner, don't read reviews. I tended to do that when I started, but soon gave up, um, soon stopped, because at the end of the day, they're just opinions and they don't know you. They don't know what you're going through. They don't understand your process. But that's another thing, actually, going back to your idea of your process, own the discourse around your work, because if you don't own it, somebody else will always try to, you know, start discourse on your work and they'll often get it wrong. You want to be in control of that discourse and that means putting content out there talking about your creative process talking about how you're feeling about this um, piece that you're making be then allow people to your audience to judge or to understand your work rather than understanding it through the eyes of a critic and when i was in leeds actually one of the things that i said was you know critics are just ordinary people that have an opinion but most of all, they wish they had the balls that you had to put their opinions and feelings on stage and have other people critique them. Yeah, it got a bit of a, ooh, that's a bit harsh. But, you know, at the end of the day, that's just my opinion. Like anything else on here is my opinion. Um, I just wish a lot of the time, it's like Lloyd Newson. He, he, he used to say to me that, um, you know, if a, if a critic says something, for me, it's like, well, go and do it yourself. Make it better. Oh, yeah, but that's not my job. I'm a critic. It's like, well, you know, there's this, this nonsense of that's what they feel their job is to, like, let everybody know what they think. And actually now you don't have to, you know, we're not confined to, ta to newspapers. We're not confined to the stage. We're not confined to time out when it used to be paper. You can have your you can have your followers, you can have people leaving testimonials, you can leave your own where people can make up their own minds about your work or about going to see it rather than see reading a critic or reviewer's thing in the newspaper newspaper or in print or online because it is just their opinion. You've got hundreds of other people that people can go um, to to validate what you're doing before they go and see it. So Open those channels, make sure you're on it. Finding the right team, and that can be people that you kind of hire on, 
on a you know on a daily basis or on a monthly basis or by a project basis and i say find the right team because the people that are around you don't always assume that they have your best interests at heart sometimes they are actually just turning up for the check yeah it, it's it's hard to, it's hard when you kind of realize that but sometimes they are turning up for the check but one of the really important things this guy that i follow that i um watch on um, YouTube and been to a couple of his conferences, a guy called Roger James Hamilton. And he's, he has this um, concept called wealth dynamics, and it's to do with the psychology and the makeup of people. So they run into this, he has four main different categories. One is a, a dynamo genius, and they're people that create. They create a lot of the time. That's me, I'm a creative. Our problem is we create lots of ideas, but we're really bad at finishing them. I mean, there is some crossover in some of these where you work a lot on an idea and then you think, oh, that's not working. Then you'll start another one. And actually that idea needs taking on by one of these other geniuses that know how to connect people, that know how to talk to people, that know how to, when the timing is right, to pitch it to somebody else. So the dynamo genius is something that Obviously, a lot of creatives are because we create. And I said, and as I say, there's a space in some of those businesses and some of those organizations where you, as a creative, can just blow their minds. Blow their minds and you like, you'll come up with an idea. It's like, I had the idea about in, in two minutes. And they were like, wow, uh, uh, yeah. You know, you can, be, you can be the driver of something because they don't have that. In, in their organization. So one of the next things is a steel genius. This is going back to the Roger Hamilton thing. And this is about how you multiply an idea. So you might think, okay, I've got this idea and it's for that. But one of these, uh, you know, steel genius can see the idea and it's like, no, we can do this with it. We can do this with it. We can do this with it. We can tweak it slightly and we can do this with it in another industry. So you're connecting with people that don't necessarily, they're creative, but they don't you don't necessarily see the things that they see. Then we've got a blaze genius, and they're, support, they're supporters. They're people that support your work. They help you get to where you want to get to. That doesn't mean say they're another creative, because the worst thing to have is too many creatives on your team, because everybody's great at creating ideas, or create ideas that create ideas, and you won't finish any, you won't actualize any, because everybody's just creating ideas. And that's the worst, you can have an administrator or a manager that because they're interested in the creative industries are creative and you'll be creating things and in the back of their mind, unintentional, it's just because of their makeup, they're creating products or things for themselves or creating things that, oh, this should be done like this, I could do it like this, when actually you need a blaze genius that is creative but they're gonna support you in, in creating and being creative in your way and then you start to build all these other people around you then you've got the tempo genius they basically is it's all about timing it's knowing when to talk to somebody knowing when to connect to somebody not being too early because sometimes you can have an idea and it's like you speak to an organization about it two years later they're doing it yeah it's happened it's happened to a lot of us before and that's because they're not ready that's not because you're not ready, it's because you need, to, you need to kind of find out those places and those timings where it's gonna happen, where, it's gonna, where the, your idea is gonna grow. Okay, prepare for not being flavor of the month, if you are now, because there'll be a time when you're not, and you'll need to find a way that 
you can still sustain yourself and still reach the people that you want to reach. So when in, in 2012, when we got, we were in an NPO, we got a funding cut along with lots of other established companies that had been in the UK as dance companies, these companies as organizations for like 10, 15 years. And we were one of them. And one of my things that I got quite annoyed about was the fact that so few people around a table making a decision made that decision for so many. Um, and I still wanted to be able to reach my audience. I still wanted to put my work out there. So I kind of started to look at other look other ways that I can do that. And one of the things was I took a step back because I didn't want to go back in to that arena and not have it on my terms. So I took a lot of time out. I was working with Dance United. I was still choreographing. I was still teaching there. I was still doing stuff, but I wanted to be able to reach out and have it and own all the things that I'm say, saying, own the discourse, talk, have your own space. I'm getting to the space later. You're, you build up your audience. I wanted to be able to reach that audience in the same way. And one of the things that I'd been going to was a lot of tech events and just realizing the things that they were doing, like I'm doing now, I'm talking to you online, you're watching it, maybe you're disinterested, you're listening to it on your headphones, I don't know. But it was about how can I still reach my audience without having to go through a theater? So I started to get into digital. I started to get into live streaming. And I basically created this ecosystem where, yes, I'm building up my audience. I have my own way of reaching that audience. So I started to teach online, live online. And again, some people, it's not going to be for everybody. Other people will say, oh, I need to be in a studio being corrected, smelling the sweat and hearing the music. I'm not too sure about the sweat and hearing the music. But you do need to hear the music, and but that's not a replacement. What I usually um, acquaint it to is if you've got a musician, they'll have a, if you're in a room of musicians and I say, which of you has an MP3 out there or something that we can download to find out about your work? 100% of the room is going to put their hand up. Now, if I'm in a room with dancers or actors and I say, how many of you have got a digital product so I can find out about you other than a website? Because websites, people don't read these days. They want to interact. They want to find out about you. Um, you know, I'd probably be lucky if 5% of the room put their hand up. But it's really, really, really important that, you know, the, the equivalent, it's really important that you kind of get to grips with putting work out there that's not just for the stage or not that is not live. It's like, can you imagine asking again a group of musicians who only does live or musicians saying, I only do live. And then at the end of that live experience, my concert or my work goes off the edge of a cliff and you can never see it again unless you raise loads of money to revive it. That's what we do as performers. That's what we do as dancers. That's what we do as actors when we're creating our own works. Like we create it, we tour it if we're lucky. It goes off the end of a cliff, never to be seen again. Sometimes if you've got that, you're the, that ability to kind of re, keep redoing it and people want to see it, but yes, you can do that. But actually you can have work out there that is doing that work for you, building your audience if it's digital. Get your own space. A lot of you are thinking, oh, how the hell do I do that? Well, that's what I thought years ago. Um, I've been into property for quite a while. Um, commercial and residential. 
And one of the things that I've learned about that is now when I walk down the high street, there's so many empty properties. There's lots of empty properties because people are going out of business. And that's due to, yes, one people shopping online, wages have been frozen for over 10 years. Um, there's more things to occupy our our time in the house so we don't have to go out. So lots of, there's lots of lots of lots of lots of lots of vacant spaces which are there for you to go and take. So when I say get your own space, we've taken on a space in South End, which is where I'm based now. And we take it, we took on a, a, a shop and nobody was there, nobody had used it for three years. So we approached them and said, look, we'll bring footfall to the town using culture rather than retail. And they said, yes, um, you're gonna have to pay service charges and you'll have to pay rent. Ah. But the caveat, because I knew about property and some amazing work that I'm doing with an organization called Respace Projects, they basically respace properties, empty properties, and turn them into community hubs of innovation. You can use them, uh, the community can use them for free if they're not funded. There's so many amazing things that they're, they're doing that I've been learning from them. That's how I ended up getting this space. So we've just actually, Respace have just won the... Um, an award for the best use of, of space from the, um, I'll come back, I'll put the, the, the link in, I can't remember who, who, the, who the thing was from. But actually we've also had Noam Chomsky comment on the work that we're doing at Respace. Anyway, going back to getting your own space. Um, landlords, this is probably a fact that a lot of you don't know. Landlords, if they've got an empty property, means that they're paying business rates. That means it's costing them money when it's empty. So your approach to a landlord of an empty space is, we'll stop you, we'll save you thousands of pounds a year just by being in your space as creatives. Now, not a lot of people know that. And this is something that I'm really eager to start to build a network. So if you need more help with that and thinking about building this network that is also gonna be digitally connected you need to get in touch with me, you need to get on it. And again, I know 99 out of 100 of you are not gonna do anything about it, but that one of you that's interested in getting your own space that you can then hire out, that you can then make your creations in, that you can then build a community around your space, get in touch because myself and Respace, that's what we're doing, that's what we're doing now. We've got a project in Gillet Square if you live in Dalston. We've just had a one in Peterborough that we've closed down. We've got this one in South End. We've got another one in um, Canning Town that we're just closing down. Because sometimes they're, they're, they're temporary spaces where people are there for a, a short time and then we move on to the next project. Yours could be the next one, so get in touch. One of the, I always remember this comment. I spoke to Akram, Akram Khan. And um, one of the things that he said to me, that Farouk Chowdhury, which is the producer, which is the other, I suppose, the other half or the the driving force behind Akram Khan's company, he said to Akram, leave the country. And it, and it was about him going to find out and go to, um, go, and, go and work in Belgium. And one of the, and kind of that's always stuck with me. And it's almost like, you know, you're never a prophet. Is this saying you're never a prophet in your own land? And going out, if you're based in England, if you're watching this in England, this because this is what I'm kind of mainly basing my um, comments on. If you're in England, we are a little island. 
and we have our ways and we have our ways of doing things. But if you go out, explore the world, see how they do it. So I worked in France for my second contract. They have this system called ASADIC. Maybe I pronounced it incorrectly, but basically it means if you get enough hours, contracted hours as an artist, and then you're out of work, they pay you your unemployment benefit, but they pay it at a really high level. So you can continue to be an artist and collaborate with other artists until you get another contract. They don't force you to go on job seekers. They don't force you to go and get a job waiting tables, or you're not forced, I should say, to go get a job wasting tables. You can still be an artist. I think they have a similar um, one away in, in Holland and Denmark. But what I'm, my main thing is go and explore, leave, leave England, <laughs> leave England, um, have your own Brexit <laughs> as an artist. Just go, just go and, you know, I'd say your own Brexit, but you know, part of that is about isolating yourself and cutting yourself off from the rest of the world. I'm actually saying opposite. Go and explore the rest of the world. Go and find other things. Go and see what else is happening out there. I'd really, really, really urge you to go and look and explore the world. Find alternative routes to distribute and finance the work which I've kind of touched on with the whole crowdfunding thing and also the digital thing. Um, what I mean as well by that is try and create alternative income streams. So you're not just relying on, again, yourself turning up for the gig to get paid for it. It's what can people benefit from your input. A lot of artists talk about, oh, you know, it's not about the money. It's not about the money and you know I love doing my art and I understand that I, I and I can I can appreciate that but however I've been comfortable I've been wealthy and I've been broke and I know which one I prefer so even if it fit for you it's not about the money it's not about making money think about those causes that you're interested in supporting or ways of or things that you're interested in funding you might enjoy traveling so it's not about the money money about you earning or having or being rich but actually you're quite interested in traveling and seeing the world so think of how the money that you're earning is being funneled into that and thinking about those alternative income streams just push it push it towards that and think of how many different ways you can make some extra cash again make a list Make a list of 20 different ways, and some of them might be completely absurd, but as a creative, I know you're gonna find the solution. Fail. Keep failing and failing and failing and failing in a safe, supported environment. Obviously, if you fail and you're exposed, be with people that are going to support you, that are going to push you, that are going to pick you up and that you're going to get up because there's a difference between failing and being a failure. Now, failure is obviously when you give up, not by choice. Again, there's a thing of you give up or you change your, di your, your direction and that's through a conscious choice rather than just not getting up from the beatdowns because that's one thing that's really, really going to stop you, especially in the early days is the knockbacks, is the knockbacks. But just remember this, the more no's you get is the closer that you'll get into that yes. So I'd say fail and fail royally because you can always make it better. 
Because if you don't get there, if you don't do the, if you don't push yourself and you don't push yourself to fail, you're never really going to discover anything else. Um, so really dig in, dig deep, lean in, lean in on those people that have done it before. And this is another thing in business. No, at school, what am I talking about in business? At school, people always tell you not to copy. Yeah, there's a, there's a thing behind that because you need to understand the process. You need to know it and learn it and process it yourself. However, in business, if they see something that's working, they copy the hell out of it and adapt it to their practice, to their industry. So I'm saying if you see something that's working in another industry, for example, what I'm doing it now, podcasts, webinars, they work amazingly in real estate. They work amazingly in in um, therapy. Go and adopt it and see how can you make it work in your industry. So copy it, adapt it, make it work for you. But even within that, I'd still say fail, fail, fail fast so you can get up and get to that nugget, the thing that's going to make you fly. So that's it. That's my last one. Um, I was actually going to only do this for five or ten minutes, but I'm going to split it up into little sections because hopefully you'll get something out of it. Um, whether you're listening, whether you're watching, I'll see you on the other side. I'm just going to be updating and sharing nuggets of information. I'm also got some interviews lined up from practitioners that I've worked with around the world who I think bring massive value and their perspective on performance. Um, so stay tuned, sign up, subscribe so you can get these regular updates. See you on the other side. Mm -hmm.